Welcome to the Inquisitive Tourist. My name is Nate Ralph and thank you for joining me. For those of you already listening, welcome back. And if you've just started, welcome to the ever-growing community of listeners. We're now in 38 countries and 360 cities. Today's chat is leaving me way out of my comfort zone. I'm going to tell you that straight up. We're talking about makeup. With over two decades of experience, 24 years to be precise, her work being internationally known, my guest today knows much about the professional scene. She's worked with businesses such as Pop Sugar, Refinery29, Forever 21, HarperCollins, L'Oreal and ESPN. She's worked with people such as Gloria Steinem, Kerry Washington, Naomi Campbell and John Legend. She's worked at Fashion Weeks in New York and the ones in Europe based in London and Paris. She currently travels between Los Angeles, New York and Arkansas running a luxury bridal beauty team. She's a beauty expert for Allure magazine and a licensed esthetician who tells you the truth about products and what to use. And she even has an online store to purchase curated items that she's personally vetted and tested. Who is she? Her name is Lavon. Lavon, welcome to the show. Hi, hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me on. So excited to be here. Can't wait to get started. Levon, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming on. Your energy already is shining through. I know we met in uh, in Los Angeles a number of years ago and uh yeah, you yep, took you to Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. That's it. That was that was the place. I've actually still got a photograph somewhere, so uh, I'll, I'll have to remind myself. But yeah, that food was amazing, actually. But uh, I haven't eaten yet, so I need to keep my mind off food for now. But <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. But yeah, Levon. So obviously, as I said in the introduction, I'm way out of my comfort zone here. But one thing I will say, I've grown up in a family full of women, so I know how important it is for women the world over when it comes to what you do. So how did you get into your profession? Uh, It was actually by accident. I was going to school to become a preschool teacher. Um, I had dreams of owning a 24-hour child care center that I was going to call around the clock. And um, I wanted to turn it into a franchise chain. Wow. And I had a friend who was going to makeup school. and. The owner of the school, Donna Mee, who's my mentor, friend, like she's like my mama bear. Uh, she actually got the students an opportunity to work at the MTV Music Awards as talent escorts. And the day of the rehearsal, my friend's car broke down. She needed a ride, asked me if I'd take her. And at that time, it was like an hour from like Orange County to Universal Studios. And I was like, what am I going to do for an hour <laughs> all day? And she's like, I'll see if I can get you some credentials. Now, I had never seen a celebrity before in my life. Um, I was waiting at the gate for her. And as I waited, Madonna pulled up, Snoop Dogg pulled up, (laughs) Marilyn Manson pulled up, and I was completely starstruck. I waited for her for about an hour. Uh And next thing I knew, I saw her blonde hair and pigtails running up the hill with a credential. And she got me in. Wow. And uh, from that... (laughs) I got assigned as a talent escort. So talent escort, basically you walk around the celebrity Mm -hmm. and just tell them where they need to be and where they have to go. Um, She had Madonna's backup dancers. I had been saying for years that she had the Beastie Boys and she corrected me when she heard me do an interview. She's like, I didn't have them. (laughs) But she had Madonna's backup dancers and I had Busta Rhymes and the Flip Mode Squad. Check you. Yeah. 
They were amazing. We had the best time, you know, running up the hills going, y'all, 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 <laughs> But oh, the pivotal moment for me was I was a huge fan of a singer named Tori Amos. Uh-huh. And she was in the bathroom. I was standing in line for the bathroom with Tori Amos. And I had my first uh, fangirl moment, um, told her how much I loved her music and how much I'd love to see her in concert. And she's like, oh, really? Well, I'm playing at the Greek theater this weekend. Why don't you come be my guest? And she got my number. And at will call, she left me front row tickets, backstage passes and an invitation to her after party. So needless to say that Monday, I dropped out of college and enrolled in makeup school because I was like, I'm working in the entertainment industry. Absolutely. Especially off, after such an amazing experience. It's funny how these things like all fall together. It's almost like the stars align at, at times, isn't it? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that to happen at all. But I knew in that moment that I wanted to work and be in the entertainment industry. No idea where it was going to take me. But I was like, yeah, let's do it. Nice one. So what did you actually study and what qualifications do you hold? Well, the school that I went to at the time was called Empire Academy of Makeup. Donna now has all of her courses online. It's Donna Me, I-N-C, and that's M-E-E. She's profound. She is a beauty prodigy. I learned everything I know about the makeup industry from her, her education, her insight, her knowledge. She is honestly the end-all, be-all when it comes to being a makeup artist that knows corrective beauty. Cause there's a difference. Like Instagram has taken over with a lot of looks that look very, very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, and you get a lot of people on TikTok showing you different ways to do things. And they all kind of have this same kind of, mm, how do I say Instagram is what I called it for a while. Right. And Donna taught us how to do corrective beauty. And that's taking the epitome of beauty and transferring that knowledge to your client's face. So the epitome of beauty is an oval face, almond uptilt eyes, evenly arched brows, a praline nose, nice full even lips, high cheekbones. And so we were taught how to create that look on people through highlighting and contouring without them looking uh, like, let's say a drag queen, without looking like you have cake face. It was a way to make people look like the best version of themselves. And she's the only person I know that teaches that. So from her, I took tons of other courses she had a whole program all the way up to like doing special effects makeup as well doing print runway bridal um everything that i learned for even skincare as it applies to makeup because it's a completely different industry Mm. so from her i took her courses and then after that i just kept adding on with my education taking workshops seminars assisting other top makeup artists in the industry Mm. It's really uh, cool to know, like even I understood that as a guy, how, mm-hmm. you know, she taught you how to specifically take your client, uh, her, their own face into account. Because, you know, if you're just taught by rote and it's like, well, at my makeup school, we were taught this. And regardless of the the, the shape face that they have, I'm going to just contour them in the same way. Like you said, you're going to end up getting a drag queen on your hands or something. Absolutely. Not to say there's anything wrong with drag queens, but honestly, <laughs> you want to look like the best version of, of yourself, course. not like what the person on YouTube looks like because you don't have the same features and you might not be using the same products. Yeah. So for that, I think it, it's, it's such a huge, it was a huge thing for a while. And I think people are starting to slowly move away from that look. Like every makeup genre of style comes in decades. Like if you think about the twenties, the thirties, the forties, the fifties, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, the two thousands, the two, 10s and now 
each decade having a different style of makeup. So I think it's really important that as an artist, you have to grow with those times and you have to develop your craft to know that what may have worked before might not work in the future mm. and how to adjust that for the people sitting in your chair. Yeah, it evolves, doesn't it? It's interesting as well. You mentioned about the oval face. I wonder if that's got to do with like, the you know, what's called the golden proportions or like the golden ratio. Um, Absolutely. Oh, it is. Sure does. Yep. Right. Because I mean, I'm, I'm like a sort of a trained mathematician. So like I'm fascinated by these things. And I, I believe that mathematicians created like a, a, a beauty mask sort of like geometrically balanced on the golden ratio, one to 1.618 or phi, you know, the Greek letter phi, as they call it, um, which can, can be proven quite sort of uh, in a very simple way, mathematically speaking. But I think they fitted it to Catherine Zeta-Jones face and it actually fitted really? virtually perfect. Apparently so. That makes um, sense. You know why is because when you have that, it means your face is symmetrical. There's a thing like if you take one side of the face of the left side of the face and flip it and make the left side of the face, it's going to look crazy. If you did the same thing with the right side, your face looks super narrow. But there's a way for the face to be symmetrical, and it actually has to do with eye spacing. And that's something I learned in makeup school, is how to even place eyeshadow and eyeliner on somebody. Like if one eye is droopier than the other, and one eye is more downward tilt there's a way to fix it with makeup so that they look symmetrical that is truly incredible i don't think i've ever heard of that before (laughs) i think for people listening to this they're going to start appreciating i mean we're like 10 minutes in and i'm already starting to appreciate a bit more you know it's not just getting you know a bit of makeup on a brush and you know because some people who are ignorant to it might just think oh you know you can learn in a few weeks but clearly there's levels of talent in in your industry and and the more you learn um you know, you can do some pretty incredible things. And uh, it's interesting as well how you said about YouTube and TikTok and that, because I've noticed that so many women just seem to like look carbon copies of each other. And obviously, mm-hmm. as you've explained it, they must be doing similar techniques, you know, the same and just making themselves look the same as each other. Absolutely. They don't know the shape of their face and what to accentuate and what to de-emphasize. And that's what highlighting and contouring is supposed to do. But a lot of people are just taking this darker foundation or contour stick and swiping it on their face like war paint and then blending it out and either the color's wrong, the placement's wrong, the shade is wrong, the tone is wrong, and it's not a good look. (laughs) I walk down the street and see people be like, oh, if only I could stop you and fix you. (laughs) Yeah, but by that point, it's too late, I guess. But like with what I was going to ask you next is like most makeup artists that I've ever met sort of tend to offer just, you know, basic services in their own town. How on earth did you get to the point where you're literally flying around the world um or mm-hmm. certainly a lot of you know a lot of mileage that you do um you know working for such well-known institutions and people it, it it takes time um one of the things is when i first started doing makeup it was 1998 um we didn't have instagram we didn't have social media so we had websites and we had um photo labs (laughs) where you went and you put your business card on there and you had a few directories out there with people in the industry. And then they had the unions for makeup artists. So you either went in two directions. You went union where you worked on film and TV, or you went freelance where you worked fashion, entertainment, um, commercial, some commercial stuff you could get without union, but you either went into the fashion industry or you kind of went in TV and film. 
or, you know, you did special effects. There are different areas that you could work in. So for me, I always wanted to do music videos. That was like my thing back in the day. Mm -hmm. And the only way to get those jobs is to get an agent. So just like a makeup model has an agent, they had agencies for makeup artists, stylists, and hairstylists. And that's how you got those jobs. And to get those jobs, you had to build your portfolio. Um, Back then, it was required to do a lot of testing where you work for free. You come together with the team and you come up with a concept and you book the people to be a part of it and you create art. And from that, you put that in your book. And once you get that on your book, you go to agencies and you say, hey, I want to be represented. And they're like, hey, you're not strong enough yet, but we're going to put you with this established makeup artist and you're going to be an assistant. Mm. So you assist for a while and then eventually you get well enough that the agency's like, okay, you're qualified enough to go out and work with the celebrity. I'm going to send you out. And then from that, if the celebrity likes you, you start working with that celebrity. And if that celebrity likes you, word spreads and right. then yep. somebody else refers you. So um, ultimately the agency is trying to secure you the jobs that you don't have contact to. And because of that, that's how I worked my way up. And then, also moving, I think between LA and New York helped me a lot with that too, because I was, I started being bicoastal even before I got into the makeup industry. So for me, it established me in a place where I was in both cities and making connections. So once like the agency builds you up to begin with, and then you start getting to the point where you've worked for these celebrities and then they like you and they're like, oh, hey, you know, I, you know, maybe you did work for John Legend, for example. And he's like, oh yeah, I used this lady called Levon. She was brilliant. And then he says it to, to Kerry Washington. And like, do you get to a point as a makeup artist um, whereby you don't need an agency anymore because you're just sort of totally <laughs> freelance or is that a, a, a different sort of topic entirely? Yeah, that did happen. And it's happened to me more than once. I've been with a few different agencies. And I think for me, I always, <laughs> it's, it's a touchy subject. Um, for me, I'm going to work harder for myself than anybody else will. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that having an agency, one of the things I always struggled with was the length of time it takes for freelance artists to get paid. Um, it's something I've always said, once I retired, I would get into doing some kind of reform for freelancers or starting <laughs> some kind of group or some kind of age. I, I don't know. I just feel like that's always been a struggle. Uh-huh. Um, when you get booked for a job, they know the budget, they know the rate. Why am I having to wait three to six months to get paid? Six months. And that was, yes, that's, yes. That is ridiculous. Yes. yes. Come on. You would mad. wait to get paid. And so, as a freelance artist, one of my biggest, hugest forms of advice to anybody aspiring to get in that age industry is to save at least six months of money to survive off of because it might take you that long to get paid. And the thing is, most of the jobs pay really well. But if you're making anywhere from $300 for a job up to $5,000 for a job, and that only happens once a month and you don't see that money for a few months, Mm. that can put you in a really tight predicament. So I noticed like when I first started, it was a little bit easier. I, I learned really quickly to do my own invoices and tell people you're paying me the same day. Um, When I got to an agency, it's like, oh yeah, we'll invoice for you. So when you're waiting to get your invoice submitted, they're waiting to get paid from the, like, let's say it's a music video. The record label has to pay the production company. The production company has to pay your agent. Your agent's accountant has to come in once a week and run payroll. By the time you get your money, it could be 30 days, 
three months, six months later. Mm. And at any point, and nobody in that wants link. to rock the boat. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody wants to rock the boat and be like, Hey, where's our money? Oh, this person's bugging me. You know, we'll book somebody else next time. Yeah. That's the fear. And that fear definitely, definitely should not be there. No, I think they need to pay the artists when they do the job. You already know what we're doing. You have the money, you have the budget, pay us. Absolutely. Especially, you know, it's hard work and it's, it's, it's talented what you do. And yeah, it, no one should have to wait in this day and age that long to get paid. That's just, yeah, that's no. just not fair. We, we got Venmo. I can go to dinner and buy you a drink and you can give me my money right then and there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, maybe that's a, a tactic you can use next time with, with the client, you know, just. Uh... <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. So that's when I transition. I, I, I love I, I've had some really amazing agents. I've had some not so great agents. My last agent I had, I loved him to death. We parted ways and it was just a pivotal time for me. And everything worked out perfectly for me to transition out of it and kind of fast forward. That's how I ended up in Arkansas. Mm. So like being on the road so much or even in the air so much, what does your mobile office look like, so to speak? <laughs> like what, what, what do you travel with? How does that work? Um, if it's local, I have an SUV specifically for that reason. I have a folding table. I have a chair. I have a suitcase with my makeup in it, which is usually a carry on. And then I have a backpack that I've condensed with my hair supplies. And then I have one more bag that I carry for random randomness that doesn't fit in either one of those bags. Randomness, and then I have it. a trolley. <laughs> I have a little trolley cart to roll all that around on. So when we charge travel fees, there's a reason. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Cause I mean, to, to fly with all that stuff as well. I mean, that was in your SUV, yeah. but what about when it comes to flying for a job? When it comes to flying, I condense even more. I can't bring my chair and I can't bring my table and I can't bring my trolley. So what I usually do is I condense my uh, kit into a carry-on suitcase. And then I have another case with my makeup on it and my hair products. And I'll usually check one large bag, do one carry-on, and then my personal item will always be my brushes. Because if they lose my kit... I can go somewhere and pick up the makeup, but the brushes are the most expensive, most, most expensive item in our kits. So those I keep on me at all times. Mm. So have you got like um, a sort of a rigid cleaning routine as well for those brushes and things like that? How, how does that work when you're traveling? Is it harder to keep? Absolutely. Clean? Even even before the pandemic broke out, I was so extra sanitary because I have unfortunately seen Oh, many artists, even artists I respected and look up to do things that were just disturbing, like double dipping and not sampling out products, not oh. cleaning in between and using the same brushes on people's faces. Mm. And I don't know how many times I've heard models say that they've gotten pink eyes, thighs, cold sores, and like it's all from not being clean. So even before the pandemic started, I I would use separate brushes for different people. I'd separate them in the Ziploc bags. I would use a metal palette. I would use hand sanitizer. I had alcohol. I cleaned everything. Like it's, it's very important just out of respect for you as an artist and mm. your client sitting in your chair that you follow those sanitation practices. Yeah. And it also, it also shows like, you know, the integrity of you as a person as well, not, not just as an individual, you know, Levon the lady, but also as Levon the makeup artist, because that's your profession. And, and it shows that you Absolutely. respect what you're doing and that you respect the client as well that you're working on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you you spoke about being bi-coastal. Um, where are you currently based now? <laughs> Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's that's now hometown, Arkansas. Yes. Totally. Would, would have never, ever, ever picked it in a million years, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. So, I mean, how on earth did you end up there? 
Well, between LA and New York was my my base. Like I'd spend a few months in New York, spend a few months in LA, go back and forth for jobs. I think I've been based in New York seven times, um, originally from California. So what I was doing was after I left my last agency, I had gotten a gig doing uh, e-com, which is, you know, doing makeup and hair for uh, a department store website. And so I was working with that company pretty regularly. They were booking me two weeks out of the month consistently. And as time went on, I was Airbnb my apartment in West Hollywood and staying with a friend in Little Rock and eventually got to the point where the job was so consistent. I was like, you know what? I should look into renting a place here. Mm. And when I looked at the rental cost for a place in Arkansas compared to LA, oh yeah. Little Rock was my new base city. Is it like a LA quarter of the was, price or something? Or Oh my gosh. I have a four bedroom house that I pay $500 less a month for than my one bedroom apartment in West Hollywood. That is just obscene. When I came here, gas was $1.99 a gallon. Now it's gone up, but still. <laughs> yeah, still, that's ridiculous, well, especially compared to England. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's even, yes, yes. even for the US, that's, that is cheap, $1.99. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so I've been here now for, I really don't count last year. <laughs> wow. I mean, it counts, but, you know, it's yeah. like a waste. <laughs> yeah. It's a, what, uh, but not really, because a lot of great things happened from last year for me, unfortunately and unfortunately for some. But I've been here two years now. And I have um, still been able to travel for jobs out of Arkansas to LA, New York, and Miami. That's nice. So, like, have you got to the point where you have like your own uh, shop or or practice in yes. your hometown as well? Yes, uh, because I have four bedrooms. My house actually has an add-on in the back with a separate entrance. So I've turned that into a beauty studio. So during the pandemic, yeah, during the pandemic, I also had to pivot. I decided to enroll in esthetician school. Mm -hmm. I've always been a skincare junkie and known a lot about skincare, but I never had the permission or the legality to do the things I wanted to do with it. So I did get my esthetician's license during the pandemic. So I have a home studio on the back where I do facials, lashes, waxing, I use it as a bridal suite for my brides when they want to come for their previews, even if they wanted to get ready. So it's become my own my own little salon in the back. That's nice. On that point as well, you said skincare and makeup. Just to clarify, because they are different things, aren't they? Many people think they're the same, but they're not. Is that right? Absolutely. Absolutely. The difference between makeup and skincare is one makes you look beautiful and when you need to look beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. And of course, it's probably hard to look beautiful if you don't look after your skin anyway, right? Because if absolutely you, know, you can you can cake it on, but you know, beautiful, I mean beauty, you know, is is representative to each person. But yeah. I think it's really important. There's so much misinformation out there when it comes to skincare because a lot of companies have great relationships with big pharma and dermatologists and tell you to use this creamy cleanser when it's doing nothing but ruining your skin barrier. So I think it's really important that one of the things I learned through my aesthetics course and even things that I knew when I was a makeup artist was, you know, you need to be using professional products, not everything over the counter and mass produced is good for you. So like, how how are you splitting your time between Arca- Arkansas, um, LA, and New York? Like, are you 
if you get a contract, for example, in Los Angeles, where you used to live, or, or even in New York, like, are you flying in, flying out, you know, literally for a couple of days for each contract? Or do you kind of get to see a little bit of the city, maybe see a few old friends whilst you're doing that job? How does that look? Yeah, I try and do that. I really do try and do that. Like, if I know I have a job, I'll be like, okay, fly me out on this day. And if they're covering accommodations, great. If not, then I stay with friends and get to see people while I'm there. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes I'm there. Like, I just came back from California day before yesterday. I was there for fun more than pleasure, in and out in four days and back. Um, I did a job with New Balance. And it was a two-week gig, and one week is in Malibu, and one week was in Miami. So I also helped produce that. So that was another reason why I needed to be there a little bit earlier and stay a little bit longer. Mm. But when I get to do those kind of jobs, I always try and make time to like connect with my friends while I'm there and see people and go shopping and eat the things I don't always get to eat anymore. <laughs> so yeah, definitely try and take advantage when I have a gig to stay longer if possible. Yeah, nice. Is that New Balance the sneaker company? Yes, yes. Right, we right. did a campaign for um, for Black History Month with Jaden Smith and Coco Goff. Oh, nice one. That's yeah, it was awesome. But, yeah, Coco Goff, she's the tennis player, right? Yes, 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 she is. She's an amazing, amazing girl. Yeah, the young girl. I think she played at Wimbledon, actually, the Wimbledon tournament mm-hmm. in, uh, in London. She's like 18 or 17 or something. That was seven, yeah, probably 17 now, yep. Nice one. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe she could be the next sort of Serena or Venus. Let's let's wait and see. But um, Absolutely. I see it coming. <laughs> with, with your equipment, Levon, because earlier on, maybe 10 minutes ago, you were talking about the evolution of makeup or style uh, um, over the years, you know, you said the twenties, the thirties, the forties and so on in a similar way, does equipment evolve? Like over time, how has your equipment or office changed? And, and sort of, could you also give any other advice to, to maybe other makeup artists who are listening to this on, on tools that yeah, you can definitely, use? definitely. I think like when I first started, there were some classic makeup artists, professional brands out there that are still relevant today but we do see a lot of new brands popping up like DTC direct to consumer influencer brands where people have decided to come out with their own lines and work with chemists and labs to create their own brands of makeup. And ultimately um, I think we're inundated with products. Um, I think there's so much on the market right now that people are having a transition to be different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. And also I think being uh, sustainable and conscious to the environment and coming out with green products and vegan products and animal cruelty products, like everybody's looking for things that don't have the animal cruelty that aren't tested on animals that are vegan, that are gluten-free that, you know, there's so many different levels to it now. I think that's what I've definitely see change over time. Um, equipment wise, like I remember airbrush was super popular at one point. I still airbrush my brides because they're in the makeup the longest out of a day with hardly any touch-ups. Um, and then you see different um, themes going with um, microblading and um, different things to keep the eyebrows looking a certain way, like laminations new and tinting the brows is new. Um, I've always been a very strong advocate of not doing anything permanent because of how often it changes every decade. So like there's certain things I would never do or never offer. And there's certain things that I would offer because I know they're temporary. Mm. So I think when it comes to my advice to makeup artists out there is stay 
on top of what's there, but also think about it in long term and don't invest so much in things that could be phased out in a few years. Mm, that must take you know a really yeah, that must take a really deep um, understanding of your trade and the industry. Mm-hmm. to be able to do that yeah. so uh yeah obviously you could make some expensive mistakes i guess on some of these tools that you no longer need you know in a few years time absolutely absolutely when it comes to working with sort of famous people which you've already had experience with do you find that enjoyable or is it pressurizing it's both because ultimately you know that they have sat in the chair of hundreds of makeup artists and there's makeup artists that they absolutely love what they did and there's makeup artists that they absolutely hated what they did and sometimes they don't tell you, you don't know. And so I haven't been in a position where they hated what I did, but I have been in positions where I was uncomfortable mm. and nervous, but ultimately I just have to tell myself, you know what you're doing. You're a professional. You've got the experience. You're going to show them something new and just be myself. And I think also it's really important when I am working with a celebrity, ask them. Some celebs are like, do whatever you want to do. I don't care. Just do it. And so I'm like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want like that. Da, 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 da. And so, you know, that's where I think the pressure can come from. Mm. But most of the time, it's really enjoyable. A lot of the celebrities, they they know that they can't look the way they look without us. Could, could it be like a clash of styles as well? Like, because if you've got a certain celebrity who, because I didn't think about that, but I can see what you're saying, um, you know, whereby they've had hundreds of makeup artists before, could it be a clash of styles whereby, you know, you sit him in a chair and, you know, it's you today that, that's doing them up and they're like, oh, but, you know, three months ago, so-and-so, you know, maybe a person that you don't even know, they did this or they did that. And you could be sort of getting quite annoyed almost uh, because you're probably thinking, well, yeah, but that, you know, I've got my own style and my own methods. Do you know what I mean? It must yeah. be quite tough. Thankfully, thankfully, they don't really compare you to other people. And that's where you have to do your due diligence and research. If I get booked a celebrity, I am going through every single image of them online to see when they look their best. Right. And I know what looks best on them because that's my craft. That's my skill. That's what I'm supposed to do. So if I look at images of them online, I'm like, oh, yeah, they look really good here. And that's similar to my style. Then, yeah, I'm going to put my own twist on it and make it look like the best version that I can of them. So I think when it comes to certain people might say, oh, I've been in people's chairs. They're like, hey, you know, I want to do my own lip liner. Here's a pencil. Go for it. Some are like, oh, yeah. Oh, I love how you did it. I love what you did different. I've never done it like this before. Wow, this looks great. So I've never had anybody compare me to somebody else. But if you do your research before you sit down a client, you, you, you should be golden. That's nice to know. When you did sort of further to that, it leads on nicely or segues nicely into the next um, sort of bit that I really wanted to ask you about, which is Fashion Week. When when you did the Fashion Week in uh, New York or the ones in Paris and London, how is that? Like, do you ever appear on TV? Um, who, who are your contracts actually with and what are your obligations when you get there? Oh, that's so cool. Yes, that's a great question. Um, yes, it is amazing. It's one of the most exhilarating times I thoroughly look forward to fashion week every single year, twice a year in the spring and in the fall. And it was just, it was, it was amazing. Um, I have appeared on TV. (laughs) I had the opportunity to um, key my own show, five different shows, actually through V files. They had a 
contest where they were looking for a makeup artist to lead the the whole concept. And I got to work with five different designers, all who have gone on to do amazing things. Um, but mainly I was working on the teams of Pat McGrath and Val Garland, who are probably the two top makeup artists in the world, I'd say. Um, and I got that through reaching out to their agencies in London. Um, how I did that <laughs> was back in 2010, um, with the help of Donna Me, my makeup mentor, we sat down and wrote a letter giving them the top reasons why they should add me to the team. And it worked. That's amazing. <laughs> and from that, I worked a few seasons with Pat and a few seasons with Val and got to work on shows like Yeezy and um, Hervé Leger and um, Anna Sui and Marc Jacobs and Givenchy and Lanvin. It was Louis Vuitton. Like I've worked on some of the biggest shows what? at Paris Fashion Week. And it was it was amazing. Is this kind of like an annual thing now for you? Like, are you always going to be, is it like a case of once you've been there a few times and you get like, um, you know, you're established a foothold, do you always get invited back or how, how does that work? You have to reach back out. And sometimes they reach out to me and say, Hey, are you available? Um, the thing is I don't do fashion week anymore. Okay. Um, yeah, I loved it when I did it, but there was a time and a place for me to walk away. And it, I did that a few years ago. Um, I felt, uh, for me, I love doing it, but it's, it's an expensive job to do. Mm. Um, we only get paid per show. You have to pay for your own airfare. You have to pay for your own accommodations. You have to pay for your own transportation. Mm. And that's one of those gigs where you don't see money for a while. So it's, it's an investment into your career because a lot of the artists who I worked with on some of those shows, um, when is Sir John, Sir John is Beyonce's makeup artist. Mm. Um, some of those people on those teams who uh, worked, I, I got to work with Naomi Campbell because I assisted uh, Renee Garns, who was Naomi's makeup artist at the time. So a lot of those opportunities lead you into future gigs. But I was at a point in my life where I really wanted to transition out of that and work more on my own personal brand. Mm -hmm. So that's when it was time for me to step away. What was that actually like, like working with, um, you probably can't say too much, but like working with these individuals like Naomi Campbell and sort of Kerry Washington, John Legend, like, was it, how was that? Like, if you can Amazing. Kind of conjure up a story. Super, super, yeah, everybody's super, like, I'll give you a story about Kerry Washington. I was actually in DC. I did her makeup for an event and it was at her hotel. Um, I get there and she has her dog there. And at the time I had two chihuahuas <laughs> <laughs> and I asked her, I'm like, what are you going to do with your dog while you're at the event? She's like, Oh, she'll be fine in here. And you know, security said they'll take her for a walk. And I was like, you want me to dog sit? I have two dogs and I'm they have a play date. She's like, you would? I was like, yeah. Did her hair and makeup, took her puppy home, had a play date with my chihuahua. She came by my house in her limousine afterwards, picked up her dog. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> What a story. Little Josephine Baker. Yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've had opportunities where I've worked with celebrities who have been super nice. I met John Legend before he was who people know him as is John Legend. I was eating at a restaurant in New York with a friend of mine mm. and it was family style at like a bank banquet table. And he was sitting next to us. And my friend actually knew him from being in the industry. And we ended up hanging out a few times after that. And then literally, I think it was like three weeks after we met him. He went on tour with Kanye and exploded. And I was uh, 
working with a different agency and they booked my roommate to do his grooming because the, uh, the, uh, photographer preferred male groomers over female groomers. Cause I always thought female groomers put too much makeup on them. <laughs> right. That's joke. And I told my agent, well, I'm coming as my roommate's assistant. Cause I haven't seen John in years. And I got there and I didn't even say hi to him because it was so busy. And he heard my voice and he's like, LaVon, is that you? No way. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, how come you didn't say hi? I'm like, because you're famous. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at that. So he probably, chances are, he probably, you know, he'd, he'd know you are to, who you are to this day, wouldn't he? By the, by oh, the yeah, yeah. I that's hope re- so. That's, that's very cool. <laughs> well, John Legend, if you're listening to this, <laughs> reach out to the body again. Now, that's a cool story. Joe's aside, though, like when you're working along with all these, not just celebrities, but clearly you're working quite high-end stuff with people that, even if they're not celebrities, people that clearly put a lot of care and attention into how they look. So you probably know what I'm going to ask, but doesn't that kind of put a pressure on you, Levon, to also kind of do on them, sorry, do on yourself what, you, what you're doing on them? You know, basically like you are almost a product, like, like you have to look after your skin and your hair and your nails and like, how does that work? <laughs> you know what's so funny? The majority of celebrity makeup artists hardly wear any makeup. Yeah, really? Hardly wear any makeup. Okay, right. Like maybe a mask, like limited makeup. They don't wear a ton. Why and is that? I, because it's our job. <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's like one of those things where some people like we'll love makeup and love playing with it. But when it comes to ourselves, it's like when you're doing it every day as a job, like, you know, some people like doctors, some doctors don't take the best care of themselves, but they're up here telling people they need to take care of themselves. So it's, it's one of those things where for me, when it comes to my skin, I'm very, 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 very blessed to look 20 years younger than I actually am. Mm. I am going to be 46 in September and I get 25 to 28 when people guess my age on the regular. Um, they say there is a gene called the Methuselah gene that prevents black women from aging and like Whoa, whoa, yeah, what, what's that called again? What's that called again? It's called the Methuselah gene. The Methuselah gene. Do you know, I, I always just used to say, like, black don't crack, right? Which is, I yeah. think everyone around the world knows that 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 terminology. Um, but I, the Methuselah gene, that is hilarious. I'm going to steal yeah, that Yeah, that's what Harvard named it. I thought it was hilarious, too. Um, but, yeah, so I have always looked a lot younger than I am, and I take really good care of my skin. Like, as soon as I went to makeup school and learned – what products I need to be using. I, I haven't, I haven't deferred from that. I've added to it, which has just uh, helped me out a little bit more. But when I send my team out on weddings, I tell them they have to look polished. Like don't come with chip nails. Like if your nail polish is chipping or you have a broken nail, put a bandaid around it. If you can't fix it mm. because our hands get photographed. And especially when it comes to bridal, nobody wants to look at their bridal pictures and see the bride getting her eyeshadow on and the makeup artist has chipped nail polish. It's just tacky. Yeah, no, that's totally true. It's, it's because you're, you're part of the service, I guess, isn't it? Like that you're yeah, part of the yeah. audience and, and they want to be, I suppose it instills confidence in the person. Like, well, hey, they, they take care of themselves. So they're going to take care of me as well. Yeah. I mean, different, like you might meet makeup artists who have a very um, um, exaggerated look to them but those are the people who will be working with people who have exaggerated looks too or who have that talent Mm. you know there's a lot of makeup artists out there um i have a friend i worked with named anthony Wynn. he is a phenomenal makeup artist makes himself into a disney villain 
every single year and works on some of the top musicians in the world who like to have more of a exuberant look. Like he worked with Katy Perry. He worked with um, Brooke Candy. He's worked with Jesse J. I mean, all these people are open to trying new things and he's the best fit for that. He's an amazing makeup artist. Then you see people who don't wear a lot of makeup and want to look beautiful on the red carpet. And that's exactly what their makeup artists look like. So, I mean, I think the industry is really dominated by men at the moment. Mm -hmm. Like we do have a lot of female makeup artists, but I think it is dominated by men and the men in the industry know how to do glam makeup either because they are, they're used to doing drag on themselves or they've been in that industry for so long that they can translate that over. So most of the men have flawless skin. They look really polished when they get in there. But when it comes to women, sometimes our hair slicked back in a ponytail. We've got on some tinted moisturizer, some lip gloss, a brow, and maybe one coat of mascara. <laughs> there's, there's probably a lot of women listening to this right now who are probably like screaming at this podcast to, or screaming at me even <laughs> to, to ask you this question, which is like, what products would you recommend for, I mean, you, you already touched on the fact that as a black woman, you know, you've got like the, the Methuselah gene, which is, I love that. <laughs> but like, jokes aside, different skin tones. Um, what, what's your recommendations? Maybe, you know, you're a very pale white woman or you're a darker lady, um, or, or maybe you've got dry skin or oily skin or acne. And, you know, what kind of recommendations do you have for women in it, like if you if you could imagine imagine yourself talking to sort of the, these women and they're desperate for your help and your advice as an expert and with all your experience, mm-hmm. what what would you say to them? Call me. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. I mean, no, I say, that, that's that's no, the best two word answer ever. No, I seriously say do a virtual consultation. I do them via Zoom. I go over everything you have. I call it a vanity purge. We go through every skincare product you've used, every makeup item you have. And I tell you what to keep, what to toss and what to replace. I think it's really important. If you don't want to call me for whatever reason, don't worry, my feelings aren't hurt, but go to an esthetician in your area, hire a professional makeup artist and get a makeup lesson. Wow. So it's it's almost like a consultation. So they'll they'll look at your skin. Everybody's different. Right. So you could get two. Does that mean you could get two people who on the face of it have exactly the same skin tone, but you would still recommend different things maybe? So to each one, maybe one has a bit more oily based or or is it called combination skin or something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Each person requires something different and then you have to take their diet into it and you have to check and see what they're allergic to. They might be there. Not everything is, is good for everybody. Mm, mm. I want to ask you this. What's your most embarrassing moment as a makeup artist? (laughs) (laughs) Don't be shy. Oh my gosh. There's so many. Give, give us one. I think, doesn't have to be your most, I, but. I think this is one that's most helpful to anybody who wants to be a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Um, when I very first started out, I, um, you'd, I, I have a, I have a very um, strong personality. Um, I, I've been told I command a lot of attention. Absolutely. That's <laughs> a good thing though. That's a definitely a good thing. So because of that, when I was brand new baby, new makeup artist assisting, I went on a job with a um, makeup artist that I assisted. And this this has stayed with me forever, for over 20 years. Um, It was on a music video for a group called (laughs) (laughs) O-Town. And it was my, I think it was like one of my first music videos. And I talked too much. 
I talked too much. I outshined the key makeup artist. I cracked jokes that were inappropriate. I was <laughs> all up in the talent space. Like I, I was, I was hot mess express. I, oh gosh, so embarrassing. And I didn't know. I thought I was just being personable and fun and having a good time. Well, the next day I got a call from my agent and she called me into the office and told me that she needed to reel me in. And I was like, what? She's like, you embarrassed yourself. You'll never work with that artist again. I said, what? And she's like, you are not there to be seen or heard. You're there to assist. Mm, really? It is not your moment to shine. It is not your time to be the center of attention. That's what the talent is there for. They're the celebrities, not you. Dude, I bawled my eyes out. I I was so humiliated, so embarrassed. I was like, but that's set etiquette. And when you become a makeup artist and like, let's say you're connected somehow, or you know somebody and you get a job and you're working with a celebrity for the first time, if you don't know set etiquette, that will be the very last time you work on that job. No matter how amazing your makeup was, no matter how great you thought you were, they won't book you again. Mm-hmm. And so that was a really big life lesson for me is that when you're assisting, you don't need to be seen or heard. You're there to do a job, take in the information, learn something and go home. Don't party with the talent. Don't go to. No, 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 no. None of that. None of that. What would happen though if you're doing work on a client that you've had repeatedly and they genuinely just really you know, like you as a person and you genuinely get on well and you're, you know, there you are, they're in their chair, you're bantering one-on-one with them, but maybe you're in a room and there's other people around you in, you know, who can hear. I mean, would you just make a, still make a point of, I don't know, keeping your voice down or trying to reel it in a bit? Or, I mean, how, how do you handle that? Absolutely. You got to keep, for me, I've always decided from the beginning of my career, especially after that situation to keep business and personal separate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I wasn't in the industry to become mega famous. I know that there's people who have those aspirations that just wasn't for me. Um, I like being behind the camera, flying under the radar and just, I appreciated more being known by my peers than I was by everybody else in the world. So I know that there's artists who have become friends with the talent and travel and spend vacations with them and, and do things like that. And I mean, you look at Mario and Kim, Mario and Kim Kardashian are good friends, but they have that relationship and it probably works well for them. But Kim also uses three or four other different makeup artists. So I think that when you cross that line into being friends, it can cloud the business relationship. Mm. And I just never wanted that to happen. So for me, I think like if I do work with talent and we get along well, I'm just hoping that they book me again. Yeah, no, those are very, very wise words. And I, I do agree that it's it's always a good thing to you know, to keep business and personal separate as much as it's not always entirely possible, depending on the, you know, this infinite scenarios, isn't there? But if you can, as you you know, in your industry, then, then it's definitely, you know, the best thing to do. What's, you know, spoken about your most embarrassing moment and clearly, you know, you learned from that and grew from it. What is your proudest moment of your career, Levon? Um, I think my proudest moment of my career was when I got on Pat McGrath's team. Um, it was something I had dreamed about that and Naomi Campbell. <laughs> um, I think those are things when I was in makeup school, they had us make kind of like a, a goal list, a bucket list. And those were two things on my list was to work with Naomi Campbell and then also be on Pat McGrath's team for fashion week in Paris. 
And both of those happened. It kind of felt like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Reached reach the. It was the really pinnacle. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's really, really nice to know. And I mean, and you don't feel that, you know, after sort of reaching that pinnacle, you don't feel, well, that's it. I've, I've hit that. You know, you're still enjoying your, your trade, I guess, because I mean, you said earlier yeah. that you, you weren't doing it for, for, for getting to the top because like you said, some people want to become this ultra famous makeup artist. Maybe if that was your aspiration and then you got onto, you know, Pat McGrath's team, maybe you'd be like, well, I've, I've achieved some pretty crazy stuff now and that maybe those people would lose interest, but clearly you love what you do and you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you keep on going. Yeah, for sure. I think for me, like it got to a point where I knew, I think the pandemic really shifted things for me ultimately because I, I know makeup artists who are out of work, you know, mm. um, who mainly focus on celebrities. Celebrities weren't going to events. Celebrities weren't filming movies. Celebrities weren't doing press junkets. So they were out of work. And to be out of work and whether or not you had money saved up or not, or whatever the case may be, you weren't working. So you had to figure out what else you were going to do. And for me, I became a courseaholic and started taking all kinds of webinars and figuring out different ways to have multiple streams of income besides just doing services. You know, they say you survive on services and you retire on retail. So Mm. for me, I really needed to transition into figuring out what I was going to do to have different sources of money coming in so that if we do have to go into another lockdown or I can't work and I can't do services, how am I going to be making money outside of that? And that was to create some products, either um, retail products, a digital product or workshops. So that's what I've been working on this past year is finding uh, different forms of, of offers, online digital offers to have some more residual income. And is that re- sort of related? You, you spoke about the, the workshops and, and stuff. Is that, mm-hmm. would you be giving sort of online workshops in, you know, uh, in, in your expertise or is this something? Yes, totally un- yes, oh, you would. For, okay. sure. Right, right. for sure. And then maybe one, there is one ebook I need to come out with. I've been saying this forever. So now that I'm putting it on this, it's got to happen. Um, I know how to potty train a kid in 48 hours. It, do you know what e- ebooks from what I, the little research I've done? Apparently, it's a great way of making a residual income. You exactly. Know, so I have an ebook I've been working on on how to potty train your child in forty eight hours, and I need to finish it so I can put it out there, put it on Amazon, and just let that, it make me some money in the middle of the night. Is that actually the title of the ebook? Yeah, yeah. That is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Even I would read that. I'm I'm, I'm curious to to know how how. Uh, <laughs> You know, I've got a little niece and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know too much about how it all works, but, you know, I just watch from a distance kind of thing when, uh, you know. I have a secret method. I have yeah. an amazing secret method. Really? Yeah. And, and you, you reckon it works with every little kid? Every child. When I taught preschool, I was specializing in two-year-olds. I was a potty training master. They bring four, four-year-olds in there. They were out in the day. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm no parent. I've got one niece, but that that's, that is, I'd like to know what this, that, that secret is, so. Yeah, for sure. I'll be watching out for when you release that as well. But like, <laughs> does it, again, back to your makeup stuff and, you know, being an esthetician, you're on the move a lot with your work. So, you know, you're staying in hotels, you're living out of a suitcase and so on. Does it get, does it lose its sort of allure? I mean, how, how many times nope, a month or never, year are you doing uh-uh. that? It doesn't. Nope, nope. Love it. If I could be on a plane 
every single week I'd be happy. Jet lag is for amateurs. That was a quote. I, didn't <laughs> I love it. I love it. I would love to be traveling all the time. I have been, I've been everywhere except Asia and South America. And, um, I would really, really like to expand that. Like ultimately before the pandemic hit, I was, I was uh, attempting to get into the realm of being, I wouldn't really wanted to be a beauty travel influencer mm. where, you know, fly me around to check out your spa or check out different types of makeup and different cultures. That's kind of what I wanted to do. And then the pandemic hit and that kind of put a pause on that, but that's always been a dream. I think last year during the pandemic and during the whole black lives matter, um, I got verified on Instagram. Oh, wicked. And so, yeah, since I got verified on Instagram, I get inundated with influencer opportunities. The majority of them are nothing I would really be interested in, but they keep coming. So I'm trying to position myself in a place where my social media um, enables me to get more opportunities that allow me to travel. So, yeah, I'm all about I'm open to going anywhere for my work. Nice. Well, if anyone's, I mean, obviously this, this show is all about culture and travels. So if anyone is listening and wants to, uh, is, <laughs> hears that, like by all means, you know, obviously contact Levon and I'm, I'm obviously going to leave your, uh, all of your details as well on the show notes so people can contact you. But with, so, okay. You said that you've been pretty much everywhere, but are you talking about, um, for work as well? Like, would you, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, you know what, I, I love the sound of Levon. I, I want her to work with me. Would you, are you literally saying right now on this podcast that you would potentially consider, I don't know, flying anywhere, not just in the US, but in the world? Or- yeah. I've been flown to Morocco, Italy, and Mexico for clients. Wow. Morocco is amazing, isn't it? And Yes. I've been there oh, twice. Boy. It's the best. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So literally you, you, and, and you would be willing to sort of go for, because obviously you've got your commitments back home. You've got your, you said in your house, you've got your studio that you mm-hmm. work, but you could, you would be prepared to sort of shut these things down temporarily and potentially go anywhere for a few weeks, a month, whatever it takes. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, anyone listening, uh, <laughs> feel free to. <laughs> as long as travel and accommodations are paid for. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I, I, I interviewed a, a sort of a worldwide traveling DJ um dj moreno on, on one of the previous episodes and he said the same thing he's he's willing to sort of go and do gigs but you know it's only fair that obviously the accommodation and flight gets paid for because that is a huge you know it's a huge yeah. burden isn't it otherwise um which, yeah, which it's is part what, of the, it's part of the package like if you want me you gotta you gotta get me out there and you gotta pay me for being there which is why i was su- surprised at what you said earlier when you when you said that you had to pay your own airfare you know and stuff when it was coming for you know when you were working with those agencies and stuff that that's just, yeah. When you're assisting, when you're, when you're assisting, assisting yeah. you do. sometimes assistants are included, but maybe one or two assistants. Pat McGrath has a team sometimes of like 30 to a hundred artists. <laughs> yeah. No, that's crazy. It depends. Yeah. So obviously you get to, you, you love traveling as well. So that means that you can kind of combine your love of travel with your job, which is amazing. But like, because I guess some people would just fly into a city, do their job and fly out. But I, it's, it's evident in your personality, Levon, that, you know, you, you love traveling, you love culture, you love seeing places. So that's nice that you can mix those two things. But further to that, what would you then sort of say that you enjoy the most, you know, out of, I don't know, maybe you're, you're doing a wedding or maybe you're doing a corporate event or maybe it's any other special life occasion, or maybe it was fashion week. I know you don't do those anymore. Or maybe you're working with famous people. What, what do you enjoy best out of all of those things? 
all of them. Honestly, it's like if I'm doing my art and doing my craft, it's amazing. Granted, it's always great when we get a concept and I get to do some research and know, okay, this is what we're doing. So I'd say more on the lines of like campaigns and commercials are a lot of fun because you know you're creating something for a brand and it's going to be seen everywhere. So if you can come up with concepts and they ask me for my input and I'm like, here's my mood board on top of your mood board, let's put this together. I think those are the best, um, especially because um, I get to be more creative. Um, But I also love my brides. My brides are amazing. It's the most important day of their lives. And then their bridesmaids love me and I get more referrals from that. Mm. And then you take fashion week is amazing. Like I totally go back to do fashion week again, if the opportunity was available, but because I've transitioned out of it, it's not something I'd say I'd never do again. It's just something I'm not doing now, but that was always fun too. Like every show, like the rush and like having like three minutes to do a full face on somebody because the models running late from somewhere else, that kind of pressure was, it was electrifying. It was yeah, really it was. amazing. Yeah. So, and then I get my famous clients where, you know, they've got an event and we're used to each other. And I'm like, Hey, let's try this flip today. Or let's, what are you wearing? Let me do something different. And they're like, yeah, do what you want. Levon. I trust you. Those are great too. So I think any time I get to take my talent, my expertise and make somebody feel good and look good. It's, it's, it's a great job. Hmm. Excellent. Well, I mean, Levon, uh, where can people find you in case they want to hire you for, for what you do and for what you offer? Everything, social media, all of it, website, Levon Beauty, L-A-V-O-N-N-E-B-E-A-U-T-Y. Brilliant. And that's uh, on Instagram, Facebook and everything? Everything. Everything is Levon Beauty. That's another word of advice. Just pick one handle and stick with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Levon, it's been lovely to have you on. Thanks so much for, for joining me and treating the audience to an inside look of the life of a traveling professional makeup artist. You know, I think you've really, um, clearly you've got a wealth of knowledge and passion for what you do and your experience has shone through and it's, it's truly been awesome uh, having you on. I've, I've learned a lot. It's, it's been fascinating. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I've had a great time. Like I said, everybody can follow me on Instagram. It's Levon Beauty. Website is Levon Beauty. Um, Feel free to reach out if you want a virtual consultation. We'll do a Zoom. I'll tell you everything you need to know so that you can get the checkup from the neck up. (laughs) Well, my guest today was Levon, a professional makeup artist with over two decades of experience. What a super impressive CV, I'm sure you would agree, having worked with many famous uh, institutions and A-listers, and she continues to master her trade. Well, she's left us with a fascinating insight into the life of a traveling makeup artist and how it really is on a day-to-day basis and currently travels between Arkansas, New York, and Los Angeles for her work. Well, if you're interested in hiring Levon for your own beauty needs, don't forget to check the show notes where I'll leave her details along with some of her recommendations that we discussed today. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please do share it with a family member or friend who you think would get something out of it. And if you haven't already, please do consider leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and give us a follow on Spotify as it really helps the show reach even more people. My name is Nate Ralph and you've been listening to another episode of The Inquisitive Tourist.